Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a weekend edition of Swings and Mishes. I am your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined, as always, by Craig Mish. Craig, how are you doing on this Friday morning? I'm doing very well. I'm looking forward to a weekend of baseball here in the nation's capital. I'll be checking out all the games that they play. Got some, of course, young guys on the trip here, and so we're going to have a chance to see a couple of the Marlins' top prospects get to get on the field and see their major league debut. So that's certainly exciting. And it was also really good this week to be able to get back to the ballpark. I went to a number of games last week and this week. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun for me to have live sports back and see that in person too, Jeremy. So great to be with you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's particularly great to see some sports at Marlins park uh, for the first time in what feels like forever. And, and we could talk about that. Unfortunately, it hasn't meant a lot of Marlins wins. Uh, the Marlins have now lost five in a row. They lost two of three against the Braves and then now obviously lost in what was a three-game sweep, uh, not a four-game sweep against the Mets. Three-game sweep because the last game was postponed. So your thoughts, Craig, on the Marlins' struggles over the last week as they head into this weekend against Washington? Yeah, yeah, they're they're overmatched at this point. Their bullpen is is not only taxed, but not as competitive talent wise as a lot of other bullpens in baseball and and that's not to say that it's not close it's just these are not the players that they thought they were going into the season with and for whatever reason as soon as some of these guys got signed they came in and pitched very well and then they've had three injuries to that bullpen that they signed and three guys are out right now so it's really tough and and when you don't have starters getting deep into the game you're using those same guys over and over again and advanced scouting is so good, even from a television point of view, the Mets and the Nationals, they, they you know they have video of, of all of these pitchers who they really haven't seen a lot of now. They know their tendencies, and so maybe the first time out you can have success, but if those pitchers are not making adjustments, Jeremy, you, you very clearly see the result of that, which is uh, some walks, clearly, a lot of a lot of guys getting on base, and, uh, and also some really hard-hit balls, too, from that bullpen, so... Outside of Pablo Lopez and Eliezer Hernandez, there just really hasn't been a ton to get excited about. When those two guys pitch, the Marlins are involved in the game, and when they're not, you see the results there. So it's really hard to be critical of a club when you're missing this many players. But at the same time, if we are looking at it objectively and looking at a team that is trying to chase the postseason, they went from being in a great position a week ago to really almost on the outside looking in now. So they have a lot of work to do. And it's not going to get any easier. Right. It certainly won't get easier. The good news is Pablo Lopez and Eliezer Hernandez have been so dominant. They've looked like, you know, an ace and a number two for the Marlins, which is what they've needed to be, even though they were penciled into the four and five spots right there on that opening day roster. So Pablo and Eliezer have been terrific. And, you know, as you approach the latter half of the season here, you get 18 major leaguers back. Uh, But what's exciting is, like you mentioned, Sixto and Jesus Sanchez getting the call up for the Marlins. They will be with the team in Washington, the number one and number five prospects in the organization. Sixto, the future ace, hopefully, and Jesus Sanchez, a future middle-of-the-order bat, hopefully. So what are your thoughts, Craig, on the Marlins making those moves to try to stay competitive and elevate these two prospects at this moment? Yeah, this was a really good move because they they are showing that they need to stay in this and they need to stay competitive. So on a couple of different levels, this is important. The first is, is that at the very least, Sixto Sanchez is going to give you some length in a game and and he can throw five innings in a game. We don't know what the Mm -hmm. results are going to be, 
but they had to do it. They they had to have a starter pitch Saturday and also have a starter pitch next week to where you're going to get some length and you don't have to see this bullpen over and over. And I think maybe that is more the point than what the talent of Sixto Sanchez can even be. And, and, and look, that takes nothing away from Sixto, but let's also be perfectly clear of what we've seen in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, Casey Mize came up this week with mixed results. Uh, Spencer Howard of the Philadelphia Phillies, who has probably some of the best stuff in the big leagues from a starter, has also had mixed results. Nate Pearson, who we saw the Marlins face off against, right. went on the injured list. It is not a foregone conclusion that a rookie pitcher is going to come up and dominate. It just doesn't happen. And I know that there are a lot of Marlins fans that could point to Jose Fernandez, of course, rest in peace. But for every mm-hmm. Jose Fernandez, there's 10 others that take two or three years to have success at the big league level. So I would just caution people of getting super excited with this. He does have a very formidable lineup to go against that includes Juan Soto. But I right. think that this is more for length, honestly, Jeremy, than anything else. You don't have Arena, You don't have Caleb Smith. You don't have Sandy Alcantara. You have no one as a third or fourth starter. I mean, you know, given Castaño's success, maybe there's a chance there. But let's be real. He's, he's not the same in terms of talent than the others. They need someone to throw six right. innings in a ball game or five innings in a ball game with all of these double headers, and there could be another one coming up against the Mets because they lost that game on on Thursday. So they may have to play two games in New York to make the game up Thursday if the Mets can get back up on the field. So that's the important part from the pitching perspective. From the hitting perspective, it's been a pretty massive disappointment in the last week. I, I really can't put it my has. finger on it. I, I don't know. I, I asked uh, Don Mattingly if he was upset with the approach and he said, no, this is what the guys are being asked to do. But this could be, Jeremy, the same situation as, as the pitching where you're missing Rojas, you're missing Ramirez, you're missing Garrett Cooper, and you're not getting any production from the players that are replacing them, literally. The, the only player right. that has been a nice surprise, honestly, offensively for them has been Magnera Sierra. And at some point, there's going to be a scouting report on him too. That's going to come out that basically says, if you walk him, he's on second. And right. so that's going to end. He, he is not going to walk. I, I don't see that continuing. He's already closing in on his career high. And I simply think that it's a matter of not understanding the player because he's never hit a big league home run. It takes nothing away from him. He's, he, he could end up having a good season, but you, you can't walk Magnera Sierra, and, and that's why he's been successful. He's walked, he's got to second, and he steals third, and, and I think that's going to end. But credit to him for having a good uh, month of, of, the, of the season or whatever it has been. Um, Sanchez comes up. He is, I would, I would imagine, up to play. They gave Lewis Brinson another opportunity to play, and that has not materialized at all. And Lewis has said all the right things going into this 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 next chance that he's had. There have been no results at all for Lewis Brinson, none. Uh, again, uh, I'm not playing the game of he hits the ball hard and the results will come. We, this is the same conversation for three years already, and it's amazing that people still will have it. Uh, the results are not there. He's batting 100. He was pinch hit for. He has no home runs. Uh, Lewis Brinson has a week left. I think, of his Marlins career to get it figured out, and then we probably won't see him. Uh, Monte Harrison has also not performed anywhere near where he needs to be. And right. he he has hit a home run in a very big spot, credit to him. He's also come up in a lot of big spots and struck out. He's striking out more than 50% of the time. There is not a big league, ma- there's not a major league baseball player that can survive 
striking out 40% of the time, let alone almost 55% of the time. Monte needs more time. He, he, needs, he needs more time to work on his craft, to work on his approach. And, there, and by no means is this like a give up situation, um, you know, similar to who I think Brinson is even, uh, you know, in that same trade, you know, people like to talk about the trade and, you know, that's fine. But, you know, like Yamamoto, I think we know who he is at this point. Harrison is, is far from a finished product, so I'm not even close right. in the same conversation there. Uh, so what does it mean? It means that maybe Jesus Sanchez is that next man up to start getting four or five days of playing time and perhaps provide a boost because to this point, Aguilar, who started off uh, really good, has still had some good at-bats. You know, Brian Anderson has been okay for the most part. You're not going to complain. You know who he is. You know what he's going to be. But you're you're not getting anything yet out of Corey Dickerson, so we're going to have to wait on that and see what progresses. But he obviously went through a really tough personal problem, uh, personal issue with his grandfather passing away. Maybe that's what's factored into this and because he's always hit. So I'm going to guess that that has something to do with it. And he makes no excuses, but perhaps that's it. So Sanchez, uh, Jeremy gets the next shot. I will say this. A lot of young hitters are coming up hitting right away in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. They're not pitching well right away. None of them are. Go look at all the top huh. prospects. They're all getting shelled. But the hitters are coming up and hitting. So maybe Sanchez is the guy. Maybe maybe he is what they thought Brinson would be a week ago or Harrison would be uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Maybe this is Sanchez's turn to see. And the clock is running on all of these guys because the players are coming back in a week. And when they do, I would expect all of them to be sent back to the alternate site camp unless we see some production. And it has to start now. The most interesting part for me in terms of watching now Sixto and Jesus Sanchez coming up is it's sort of, I don't want to say the next generation of Marlins prospect here, but Sandy Alcantara, right, came up pretty much right away, right, Sandy and Pablo, and then you add Brinson and almost Harrison to that as well, even though his debut comes right now, the Sanchez's are both sort of that next line in terms of age. And so it is exciting that you got a couple of young, really, truly, the top prospects in the organization making their debuts. And look, it's totally circumstantial, as you said. Sixto's there to give some length. Jesus Sanchez is there maybe only because of the lack of production from Brinson and Harrison. But you see the type of home run that Jesus Sanchez hit in that original scrimmage against Atlanta, and you get excited for what he can do. You see Sixto throwing 100 and Miguel Rojas tweeting about how dominant he looks and making a Johnny Cueto comparison, and you get excited. So to add these two guys as you're starting to get some of the guys back from COVID, it keeps the the, the feeling energized even coming off of that three-game sweep and, and five losses in a row. Yeah, and the reality is, is that if you asked the Marlins a, a, a month ago where they would be, and if you said they'd be 500 at this point, given the nature of everything that happened, I would guess that they would have taken it. Right. So that's where they're at. Uh, I thought when they started off seven and one, I said, well, you know, if they play 500 ball the rest of the way, they're going to be the 14th team in or the 15th team in. And now, of course, I'm not sure about that anymore. The, the dynamic has changed. You got to just be real with it. They they can't play 500 ball and get in. They're probably going to have to be over 500 in some way to get in the postseason. I don't. I don't think that they can get in at 500. But look, two games over may get them in. Right. And and every team is struggling. Every team has has issues. That division in the NL East in particular has major issues with every club. And you want to cry a river for the Marlins? Take a look at Atlanta for a minute. 
their number one starter going into the season was supposed to be Cole Hamels, hasn't thrown a pitch. Their number two, perhaps, Mike Soroka, out for the year. Their number three, Mike fulton designated for assignment. Their right. best hitter, Ronald Acuna, out. Second best, third best, maybe. Uh, Ozzie Albies, out. So, so I understand that Miami has a ton of issues. They do, yeah. and it's worse than every other team. But every other team has issues, too. Let's not... Let's not look at this right. and say that they don't. And Juan Soto missed the first, what, week and a half, two weeks of the season, too. It, it, every, every team is going through somewhat of a nightmare, not close to what Miami has gone through. But this is why I think it's just supremely important for them to stay in the race. And I said last week, I thought that this week would be a very telling week. And I think that if Miami comes out of, of, of Sunday still at 500, I, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic if they just keep losing I don't I don't think that next week is even going to matter if after the weekend they're, you know, three or four games under 500, Jeremy, because I don't I don't think at that point you could expect them to play better than 500 ball and they would be three games under. So uh, that that's kind of where we're at going into the week. And 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 we'll see what happens this weekend. It, they are up against it. They got Scherzer, I know, in one of the games this weekend, too. Huh. And I believe Corbin as well. Hi. So it's uh, it's 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 a very strange 2020 season for sure and and it's been taxing i know on them and in taxing on the organization but i i personally have really enjoyed going to the games and and i've been to almost all of the games that they've played at marlins park there haven't been a lot and you know i was a little honestly shaken up yesterday hearing the news that a couple of uh, mets a, a player and, and a coach tested positive for covid then thinking i was there and all that look i'm, I'm not gonna lie i i felt a little like Okay, where was I? Where did I go? What did I do? And all that. And and that's that's I think that's natural to it. But I waited five months to to have live baseball and I and I feel like I should I feel like I should take advantage of that by going. From a media perspective this year, going or not going really doesn't make any difference because all of the interviews are being done pregame on online and and postgame online. So I simply could stay home. But I genuinely have felt safe and I've genuinely enjoyed going and when they get back to town next week, Jeremy, if, you know, all things being equal, I'll, I'll probably uh, go again. Well, I think everybody kind of held their breath when the Mets had their positives yesterday, considering everything the Marlins have already gone through and dealing with game cancellations due to COVID. And like you said, this now means yet another doubleheader, more likely than not. As long as the Mets keep their breakout under control, hopefully that's the case. You know, as we're recording that, that seems to be the case, but... We can only hope for the Mets' sake. Uh, any last little bits that you have here as the Marlins head into the weekend, as they face Washington, as the Sanchez's come up, and and everything sort of shakes out going into the weekend? Any sort of final thoughts here? Yeah, I, I think next Friday when the club comes back, you're going to see a lot of the players return. I can't say that all 18 will, but maybe a dozen, something like that. I think they'll all be back. As as Don Mattingly has talked about in Jupiter, they're all at different stages of returning. I thought Miguel Rojas was 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 really honest in saying that he's probably not 100% ready to return, but he's got no choice. And so if anybody needed a day off yesterday, uh, you know, to not play in a game and just take BP, maybe it was Miguel Rojas. But he's back, I, I think, also from a leadership perspective. Sandy Alcantara, his start was rained out in Jupiter on Wednesday, and... I, I'm not sure if he would have been on the trip had he gotten that in, but once that didn't happen, that was the end of him being able to travel because 
they were not going to bring him, put him on the taxi squad and have him throw a game where he could only throw 70 pitches in a game. So he'll, he'll throw, uh, I believe 75 next time out, and then he'll be on track to return maybe as soon as next Friday or Saturday night. So that's certainly optimistic. I think Caleb Smith is in the same boat, so they'll get the pitching back. You know, the hitters are already getting caught up. So I, I guess when, when the, the homestand kicks in next Friday, we'll be asking ourselves the question, did the Marlins survive? Did they get to Friday without losing 10 games in a row or something like that? Right. And you maybe someone's listening going, what do you mean 10 games in a row? They lost five games in a row already here. And they're mm-hmm. going against the World Series champs. So <laughs> everything is Not on exactly the table. The I mean, everything is on the table here. You know what else is on the table? They could sweep Washington, and then it's a completely different conversation. But we're, as we stare at the Marlins right now, what are we looking at? We're looking at a five-game losing streak, not a five-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. So silver linings and rainbows, we can do that. But, you know, today's not the day for that. They, they got to start winning, and then we'll come back here and analyze uh, where they're at. But the most positive thing that I could say, what they have going for them right now, is the division is a wreck, and they absolutely are still right in this thing because of that. If they were in the NL West, it'd be over. Correct. If they were in the AL East, it'd be over. And so the narrative before the season, Jeremy, that they were playing in this really tough division and that's why it was going to be tough was false. It was false. It is not a really tough division. Everybody's a wreck. The Marlins are right there with them. So... That is the main reason to be optimistic at this point because they're sitting at 500 and I cannot look at any team in that division right now and say there is a clear-cut winner because of all of the issues that the teams have had. And we'll leave it at that. It's an emotional roller coaster of a season, that's for sure. We have been up and down. Every, it's like once a week we are in a completely different space. Before we do wrap this up, Craig, and I don't think you know this as a recording, but today is actually the two-year anniversary of our very first Swings and Mishes episode. Oh, happy anniversary. So I wanted to say happy anniversary to you. Uh, happy anniversary to our listeners. If you've been with us since the beginning, we thank you. If this is your very first podcast listening to us, we thank you. And it has been an amazing two years. I can't wait for the next two years and two after that and to continue this into the ether uh, as we constantly are just sort of speaking into the ether here. Uh, But we do genuinely want to thank our fans. I don't know, Craig, if you have anything to say about that, but I wanted to to give a quick shout out to everybody. It's been fun to do these for sure. And and I think that all of what what we've been able to accomplish here is is really uh, amazing. Uh, to think about going off on our own and doing this and, uh, you know, having some great sponsors along the line too to be able to support us has really been great as well. So I do want to thank everybody who listens and everybody who sponsors us for sure. And just know that as it pertains to coverage of the Marlins and as it pertains to doing this podcast, there, there are going to be a lot of things that are going to happen along the line, but I can assure you that there will be nobody working harder than me and Jeremy on this. That's just, there's, Maybe people will work as hard. There will be no one working harder. And I can assure you of that moving forward. Absolutely. So thank you guys for listening for the last two years. And and we'll be with you going forward. Remember, as always, please go give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the pod. Follow us at Swings and Mishes, at Jeremy Taché, at Craig Mish. Twitter and Instagram for Swings and Mishes. And we hope you enjoy this weekend series as the Marlins head to Washington and take on the defending World Series champion, Nationals. 